Welcome back to another Easton podcast. I'm George Tekmenchov with Greg Easton. Well, Greg, thanks for being here for the podcast. Uh, you know, it's it's a great opportunity to be able to talk to guys like Mark Pizzoni and to yourself. And uh, first, you know, I know you're not one of those guys that likes to talk about yourself a lot, but we got to get the uh, listeners a little bit acquainted with who Greg is. Tell us about your background at the company. You've done just about every job there is to do at Easton. Uh, yeah, George, I'm glad to be here. And uh, we do have to talk about all that. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'm a man of a few words. So, uh, yeah, I've done everything here. <laughs> How's that for you? Uh-huh, yeah. Proving that you are indeed a man of few words. But, yeah, yeah. You've, you've worked just about every, you know, all the way through the company. Sure. Your dad, Your dad, Jim, wanted you to have experience outside the company as well. So you, you spent two years in Japan working right. for Mizuno. Well, even before that, if you want to, depending on how far back you want to go, I spent uh, summers working in, the, working in the factory. I was going, you know, going to high school and, and doing that sort of thing, but I had the opportunity to come up and work in the factory and, and do all the jobs there in the, in the Salt Lake City, uh, excuse me, in the Van Nuys facility at that time. And spent some time uh, working all the all the jobs out there, learning how it was done. And in that time, there was some aero production there, but uh, mostly the baseball bat production. Hockey and, sticks later on, yeah. Yep, yeah, did did that for for a number of years, and and even some through uh, not even some, but through uh, through college too, because I attended UCLA right there near near Van Nuys, so could be involved with the business. But when I graduated, yeah, I took that opportunity to go do something a little bit outside the business for a few years to broaden my uh, my exposure, if you will, and had a chance to go work in, uh, in Japan for Mizuno Sporting Goods. So went over there and, and spent uh, pretty much two years in Tokyo and in Osaka working, working for, for Mizuno and doing some different things. And when you got back to the States, you started working for the team sports division at, uh, at Easton. Yeah, that's right. I moved back. Uh, th- at that point in time, we had, uh, we had acquired our distribution company and did a big, kind of a big growth spurt just before, uh, just before I came back from from Japan and owned the uh, marketing, sales marketing and distribution company in Burlingame, California. So I went there. They had a, a product manager position open up, and I started as the product manager for the baseball and the batting gloves, which were relatively new at that time, and started doing those. You also spent some time overseas again in Europe at the distribution center that Easton Sports had in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, spent a few years there in, in Burlingame, did the uh, spring products, got involved in baseball bats and product management there, and then, uh, yes, went to work in Europe in our distribution facility outside of Amsterdam, which was a unique and com- uh, facility at that time. We were really doing both the team sports products and the archery products, so got some re-exposure to some of the archery products and spent time there in uh, in the distribution and, and learning some of the worldwide markets there. So what brought you back into archery was actually coming back to work for Hoyt, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I came back uh, from Amsterdam and then ended up, ended up moving up here eventually to uh, Salt, Lake, Salt Lake City. Hadn't spent a lot of time in the nuts and bolts of the archery companies. It's been a lot of time in the team sports, you know, from production to marketing, sales, all those, all those avenues, and then had a chance to come up here. Hoyt was looking for actually a director of marketing at that time. So I uh, came in and spent uh, a year and a half or so at Hoyt uh, doing their marketing uh, efforts there for them, and then eventually moved over to Easton, started in some of the Carbon Arrow products, some of the stuff you and I uh, worked together on in Carbon Arrow production and some of the new, when, when we were really getting into the Carbon Arrow manufacturing, and spent uh, 
Well, I just hit like uh, tw- uh, 25 years, 26 years today. Wow. This, this year. so Three years longer than I've been with the company. So, uh, yeah, the first time you and I worked together was actually to develop the ICS Arrow, the uh, internal component system, all carbon shaft. And you and I worked on that for the better part of a year. And then you became director of carbon products at Easton. That's right, yep. And worked, uh, you know, with engineering. And, and, and so, you know, what's great is you've had a chance to do it all. You know, management, marketing, engineering, actual hands-on production. And, uh, and it makes you uh, part of a legacy that started with your grandfather, Doug Easton, who also did it all, quite literally. Right. And your father, Jim, who did it all. And, uh, and to this day could probably, you know, tell somebody how to make an aluminum arrow or, uh, you know, straighten them out. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously my grandfather, because he developed a lot of the processes and my dad who helped manage them along the way. And yeah, yeah I've had experience with them. I don't know that I could, uh, go do it all myself still today, but I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, the company is blessed by having some, a lot of good folks working for us, a lot of long-term employees who know the, know the jobs well and have had the pride of, of making arrows for, for a lot of years. So, Something that is particularly interesting to me is that this is the 50th anniversary of the X7 arrow shaft being used uh, in public, in commercial use. It was actually invented in 1964 by your grandfather and your father. And uh, so it's exactly as old as you are, by the way. I, I, I was wondering if you are going to mention that. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. So it's, uh, it's particularly fascinating to me that, you know, right outside of the door here in the room that we're in, in the corporate building, there is that Sporting Goods Association uh, prize that was won by Easton back in the 1970s that I believe Jim accepted on behalf of the company back then. Um, this product, the X7, may very well be the most successful product in sporting goods from the standpoint of high-level competition victories, and it's still being used today at the highest levels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in archery. We've talked about that in, in the past, is that although there's a lot of progression in products, um, in bows, in, in a lot of different areas, or other sports, if you look at the swimsuits or the shoes, skis, skis, yeah, whatever the whatever people are using, other than things like the, I think the javelin and the shot put, which is standard, don't change, but the performance products keep keep changing, and there's still room, you know, and there's still ways to change things. But you're right, you, we come up with a very good, very efficient design for what it's going to do, whether it's indoor bigger diamond, indoor target archery, the X7 or outdoor barrel shafts, the X10s and ACEs, what they, when they're designed to do what they do the best, um, they can do it a long time and do it very well. And, and the X7 is a great example of that product that continues to win. It's a great testimony to, to the company's innovation over the years. And, uh, and yet, here we are with a product that, uh, and, and it's still very, very affordable. You know, that's the other really interesting thing. If you correct it for inflation, X7s are actually cheaper now than they were back in the 1960s. It's kind of fascinating to see that. Well, speaking of uh, of the reasons for things like that, your current duties at Easton, you're you're running the corporation, um, not necessarily the day to day running of the of the division that does archery products. That's Mark Pizzoni's responsibility. You oversee a great deal more. Yeah, the over the years here and uh, and and taking over some more stuff from my from my dad. Yes, I've 
I've ended up uh, really, really overseeing the whole corporation and then some, some things that my dad's added. So Jazz D. Easton, which was my grandfather, that's his name. Uh, Jazz was an abbreviation for James. Uh, he was known by as Doug. But James D. Douglas Easton. Right. Uh, so Jazz D. Easton is the corporation, the holding company, and it owns Hoyt and Easton. And we've got two people running those. You talked to Mark not too long ago, and then the Randy Walk runs Hoyt for us, both of them doing a good job. And it uh, makes my job easier, the, the better they do their job. And I appreciate all the work they've put in over the years. Randy just hit, hit uh, 30 years, so he's been with Hoyt for a long time also. And so, yeah, I run those two, or overseeing those two companies. My dad, through, um, through some changes over the years, put a uh, help fund the Easton Sports Development Foundation. So he put some money in there, and we are you know, running that and building archery centers. We finished the one here in Salt Lake City. We're about to finish the one in San Diego at the Olympic Training Center. We've uh, helped uh, NFAA build theirs in Yankton. We've put one in Newberry, Florida, and, and a number of uh, other uh, universities and other places around the country. So, again, I'm not involved with the day-to-day -day of that, but that does eat up an inter interesting amount of time to, to do that well and, and make sure you're getting the most out of the, the money we have there to promote and drive and uh, get more people involved with archery. One of the other um, paths that... Jim Easton, your father took, was to be deeply involved in world archery, and you're doing the same. Uh, as you continue on your path, you're now a member of the FIDA Council. Um, now you, called the Executive Board. The Executive Board, yeah. pardon me. And um, you went to the FIDA Congress. I, I say FIDA, sorry. Yeah. I mean world archery. Um, I'm sure people out there will forgive me for that one. But, um, you know, you're, you're following in, in, in Jim's footsteps in a lot of ways, uh, particularly with regard to uh, attending events. You, you went to the World Championships in Copenhagen, World Archery Congress, and so your involvement is, is increasing. Uh, what's, your, what's your plan in the next, say, few years as a successful World Cup organizer, as an example? Yeah, we, we had a good, a good uh, experience organizing the, the World Cup here in, uh, let's see, twenty. 10, 11, and 12 is the, in 09, we did the Youth World Championships and then three years of the World Cup, which was a, a great experience. It's fun to have everybody come here and, and, and to organize and, and, and be recognized as a, as a strong event and a well-organized event. So well, we, you're, you're being modest. It was actually voted by the athletes as their favorite of the World Cup circuit events for, for those times. And I think that that's a great testimony to you and to your team that put that tournament together, those, those series of tournaments. Oh, I, I appreciate that, George. And I think I think the whole team really had the had the view that, you know, this is really there's a number of aspects to an event like that. It isn't it's obviously all about the athletes and the competition and that has to be done well and run run right. And there's a lot of folks that have experience there. World Archery comes with their event team and so they really know how to have a good event run well from a competition standpoint. The other side of that, you know, then there's another side which is the judges and making sure that all the support staff's taken care of. And then finally, it's the spectators and everybody else who's here to support or be involved or watch the event and figuring out how to, how to make sure they're engaged and have a good time. So that's what we focused on here. And yeah, that was um, a, good, a good way to start getting exposed. And now sitting on the World Archery Executive Board, it's just another way to help give back and help support that part of archery. The involvement in the Olympics is, is important to us and is important to archery. I think it's great to see archery on that w world stage four times a year. You probably know better than better than anybody and, and better than I do the, the interest archery gets around that time of year. 
how um, or every four years how much exposure we get and how much archery benefits from that and i think it 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 does expose and, and broaden everybody's kind of appreciation of archery so yeah I'm, I'm happy to do it and it's a it's a interesting part of our business you know it's uh it's a segment of our business the international target archery and, and even domestic target archery but it's a interna- uh, interesting part of it i also went to u.s nationals hadn't been there for i i think it maybe my first nationals i went to but attended a few days of the u.s decatur alabama yes usa nationals when i was there for i sit on usa archery's board also well through the end of this year and uh was good good to see that and see the competition and talk to the athletes and really all the people out there who are um, are really doing all the having all the fun and shooting all the product. So so putting on your executive council hat for a moment and also your uh, your experience as an organizer, I think that you will agree the venue in Brazil for the Rio Olympic Games is a spectacular venue and has the benefit of course of being mostly complete, which bodes well for our sport. I think from the standpoint of the uh, execution of the event next year. Yeah, that's right. We're at the, we'll be at the uh, uh, Samba Domo, which I probably don't quite pronounce that. Samba Domo. Samba Domo. It means uh, Samba Road. Yes. Uh, still working on the pronunciation of that, but we've got the test event coming up here for the for the Rio Games. So we'll do a run a test event there this year, and then have the have the uh, Olympics there next year. It's a it's a good venue from a standpoint. Long and skinny, close stadium, relative relatively steep uh, stands that kind of fit well for an archery venue. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's a uh, we think there'll be a lot of uh, local interest, not only because from a uh, person in Rio, they don't always have a chance to go. You know, a lot of people go to that every year, but not everybody can go to that part of the venue and see it. So this would be a way to go see that venue. So use archery to do that. Um, it's a very iconic and well-known place from from Rio standpoint. Kind of like how Lords was for London or Panathinaiko was for Athens, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was, it, you know, trying to get those somewhat iconic venues that we can, we can use. And archery is very uh, fixed from a standpoint of, you know, our distances and, and that sort of thing are very fixed of what we shoot and all the archers know that. But archery also tries to be very flexible from what venues we can fit in and where can we fit and where can we be and, and how can we get, you know, get the right venue that attracts the most people, which we've had in those couple you've mentioned. And I think Rio will be the same way. So the next big task for Greg Easton, the tournament organizer, is going to be in 2017, unless you take on something before then. And that's going to be the World Cup coming back to Salt Lake City, coming back to Utah. Uh, What can you tell us about it, knowing that we're still a couple of years away, from the standpoint of um, our new archery center here, the availability of lots and lots of hotels very close to the venue? I, I... just looking at it as a as an archer, I'm thinking this is a great opportunity. Really going to be a nice event, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's going to all really come together. And it's one of the things we had in mind building and designing this venue out here, um, you know, from a simple thing. Well, not simple, but an interesting thing of, you know, putting in a generator, wiring the field for 220 to be able to say, hey, when we're running an event, we can run off the generator, have a fail-safe, you know, event from a standpoint of electricity which we actually lost power one time in Ogden, but never knew it because we were running off a generator. Oh, the city lost power, but we didn't. So we kept running our, running our venue. So having that, as you mentioned, the hotels are close. You'll be able to fly right into Salt Lake City uh, International Airport with a number of direct flights, but also easy connections from JFK and major airports on the east as you're coming in from around the world. Um, yeah, being a hub here makes yeah, it very handy. Probably 
really not more than 10 minutes from the airport to here. Now we have direct flights to Amsterdam. Um, so it's easy to get here from Europe. Direct flights from Paris, Paris as well. Yep. So, uh, and, you know, almost direct flights from Asia, just one stop from almost all the stops out of Asia. So we look, you know, I think it's easy for people to get here. We're looking forward to hosting it at the at the venue out there. Uh, we're right now working on the design and where things going to lay out, where we might do the finals venue. World Archery will be coming out here with their events director and a few folks in um, early part of November, if I remember right. And uh, that'll be our discussions, preliminary discussions with uh, myself and also with Bob Romero. He'll be running the organizing committee. Um, again, sort of the chair of the organizing committee, but he's the president, be running, kind of running the day-to-day -day stuff. But meet with them to figure out, you know, wh where we're going to have this venue and how we're going to run it. And I think the other great thing for spectators will be we're relatively close to downtown and everything else that um, I haven't done it, but some of the teams have come in who have practiced will get the hotel to take them to the airport. At the airport, they can get on tracks, the, the our, our light rail takes you right downtown, and there's all kinds of stuff to do down there. So we're looking forward to doing that and actually using that, changing it up a little bit from what people may have experienced in the past, but uh, give them some good opportunities to get a flavor for Salt Lake. Well, there's no question that uh, putting on an event of this magnitude is right up there with, it's no different than having put on a world championship about 10 years ago from the standpoint of both the magnitude, the budget, the number of volunteers required, the logistics, transportation. It's a big job. And one of the, I think you'll agree, one of the great things about the World Cup circuit is it has created more experienced organizers. There's well, a lot more people who know how to put on a big tournament now. Yes, and, and are doing it well. I mean, World Archie a few years ago, well, maybe more than a few years ago, started giving an event, trying to give it uh, more than one year in a row. I think at the beginning they were getting one-year uh, organizers. Now they're getting three- and four-year organizers, or a Shanghai who's now on their... They've been in it um, almost, yes, yeah, six or seven. Yeah. Which is great. So they, they know it well. They really love the event. Uh, the city comes to expect it, and so I think it works yeah. well from all I, aspects. I think only Antalya has, has done more. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be uh, a great opportunity for archers to, uh, to enjoy an event uh, with really good organization, transport, and everything else with a proven track record. So I'm looking forward to it personally as a spectator, well, and I think it'll be uh, – I think it'll be a great event. Of course, we want to invite all, all the viewers who want to come out and spectate, um, all the archers and competitors out there. I, I hope you keep this on your schedule to come compete again here in Salt Lake City for us and uh, put that uh, put that shout out to the volunteers, both local and not so local. People want to travel in and work. Um, you're more, th more than welcome to. And we haven't really started hitting up the city so much for support, but uh, we'll be looking forward to getting support like uh, like we've seen in other areas. Um, Yankton, South Dakota was a great example. They had the Youth, Wor Youth World Championships and had a great amount of support from both the local community all the way up to the mayor and the governor. So again, my shout out to the mayor and the governor. I'm looking forward to having you on my organizing committee. I heard you and uh, Juan Carlos did a great job with the uh, the YouTube presentation from that event too. You had some fun with uh, with JC. That's right. I, I, I was on the, on the live commentary there, the streaming, and during one of the medals, they, uh, I believe it was the I believe it was the mayor uh, who was uh, presenting an award, and we were filling some time there. And I said, "Yeah, uh, there's, here's my here's my shout out to the Salt Lake City Mayor. You can come give awards at my my event and, and support our support our event." So, well, Greg Easton, I, I we're up against your schedule, and I appreciate you taking the time to join all of our listeners today for our podcast. Uh, Greg Easton, who is chairman of Jazz D Easton Incorporated. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time today, and it's been a pleasure talking to you.
Uh, I'm glad I could do it, George. And, uh, you know, I guess I, you know, ask everybody to, to listen in and tell us how much you like it. And maybe I'll come back sometime if you enjoyed it. And you can, you can give us feedback directly at podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at EastonTP, E-A-S-T-O-N-T-P, dot com. Podcast at EastonTP.com. With Greg Easton, I'm George Tekmachov. Thanks for joining us.